(laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Itty Bitty Sex Talks. I'm Brady. And I'm Johnny. And we're here talking about kinks. Working them out. (laughs) Learning about them. Like our intro is like always just so fucking weird because we're just like, uh, what are we talking about? (laughs) That's an intro, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know. <laughs> you tell us what we're talking about. Um, so in this episode, excuse me, we're trying not to make them um super long because I noticed that when they're longer, we get less listeners, which actually is a total fucking lie because I think our Grafenberg has the most listens and it's like our longest episode. Yeah, so it we're just just gonna keep pounding them out. Maybe nobody likes us anymore. Uh, don't listen to those voices. <laughs> um, so in this episode, we had another interview um, with Dustin. He is from the Barbarically Candid podcast. And he was kind enough to talk to us about the leather community. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Learned a lot, you know. And um, there's a lot There's a lot to it. Yeah. Um, a lot more than I thought there was going to be. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I went into the interview not knowing anything. Just having assumptions of, like, what you think of when you just hear the word, the leather community. Yeah, and, like, I guess some of the assumptions would have been, you know, just... It's it's a gay thing. Mm-hmm. It's strictly a gay thing, which isn't... It's the, not. It's not true. Um, when you think of it, you think of, um, I think some people might... The gimp suit might come to mind. Mm-hmm. That's which what came to mind. Yep. Not leather. It's latex. Yeah. Yeah. So, we don't want to give away the whole interview on the intro. John says we're fine. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Here you go. All right. We are here with Dustin uh, from the Barbarically Candid podcast. And uh, he's going to be here with us to talk about the leather community and, and fill us in on uh, some of the misconceptions we may have and, you know, that I think just people in general have about this, um, this mm-hmm. fetish and this kink, mm-hmm. which is different because um, our last interview with Chad was on furries and we found out that it's a lot bigger than just the sexual aspect, where I think it's probably safer to say the leather community is a bit more based in that sexual deviancy realm. Um, to an extent, it kind of depends on, so we'll talk about um, where it all kind of began. Um, really the current view of the leather community started after world war two you had a lot of guys drafted. You had a lot who were um, who were homosexual men, and where they were in the forties, it was either illegal. You know, they were being beat to death, all that kind of stuff. So they come back from a war, and they don't want to go to back to Podunk, Nebraska. So they're going to either the West Coast or the East Coast, forming up in places like San Francisco, gathering in these large communities with other men, masculine men, and they started you know, you get a certain thrill from being in a war zone. So they started riding motorcycles. That's where your common biker gangs 
uh, came from originally. And they also started the leather community. And it was, leather has always been thought of as a, it makes you feel safe. It's, you know, it was used as armor, all that kind of stuff. You get a new leather jacket, you feel, you feel that leather around you, you smell the smell and you just feel safer, tougher. And there are definitely, there are definitely misconceptions as far as there is a lot of sexuality that goes into it, but there are also ways to, like, there was a lot of guys that used to wear one of the, I think y'all have talked about flagging a little bit before. Yeah. Yep. Right? Yep. Okay. Yep. So the leather community kind of had a flagging where you would wear your key ring on the outside of your pants. And if it was on the left, you were dominant. If it was on the right, you were submissive. If, um, if you were cruising seriously, you'd wear your keys out. If not seriously, you'd tuck them in a back pocket. But they'd still be showing. And um, you could always indicate strictly leather sex or rough sex by wearing no keys at all. Whoa. So there was, a lot of, there was a lot of kind of protocol and just stuff that people think. And there were also, don't get me wrong, just like anywhere else, you could go to a leather event and be in a dungeon where people are playing and there could be nothing sexual. It could just be people beating each other. Right. So, I mean, it's, um, they've also, about the leather community has done a ton of charity work. It, and that really sprang forth when, with the AIDS epidemic. And they still do a lot of stuff now for AIDS research. They were also very heavily involved in activism. It was actually a leather, uh, well, she called herself a leather dyke, not in a derogatory sense. That's just what she called herself that stood with the drag queen at the Stonewall riots. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So can I, uh, um, back to the kind of flagging thing, do they, do they still do that? Like the codes and stuff? Is that still a common practice? It really kind of depends on where you go because you've got kind of the, we call it the old guard, new guard. And the old guard was very, very strict, follows protocol, follows all the old ways. And the new guard kind of does whatever fits them. Okay. But it's all, I mean, I think honestly, even a lot of leathermen started doing flagging with um, bandanas because it's just easier. Right. Than trying to, you know, keys here and there. Okay. What is he into? What's he not? You know, yeah, yellow that would, bandana for piss play or. Yeah. I don't know my left from right, so that would be so fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I've always it's definitely changed. So it started as very much a thing for the gay community, but it has evolved. So there's straight leather now too. Now, me personally, I've always felt more comfortable in the gay leather scene, even though I'm not a gay man, there was just less drama. Like for some reason, and within the straight leather community, there was always tons more drama. And I think it may have stemmed from in the community, there was more monogamy going on. So there was more drama because somebody would do something with somebody else. Somebody would get jealous within the gay community. It was much more 
hey, whatever feels good. And is there kind of an inner conflict with um, like the straight leather community? Is it kind of, do they have kind of that new guard um, reputation to be like, well, they don't follow all the rules, you know, so they're, they're posers or whatever. To an extent, but you also have to watch out. And nowadays this is not exclusive to straight leather, but especially since that God awful movie, 50 shades of gray came out. You got uh, people crawling out of the Yeah, you got people crawling out of the woodworks like, oh, I'm I'm this and that. No, no, you're not. And it's really one of those the leather community was not really inclusive. It was very exclusive. It's kind of like a kind of like a biker gang. You know, you go through your proby phase or whatever. But with the leather community, you know, you hung around for a while, you got to know everybody, and you never bought your own leather gear. It was always gifted to you when you would hit like a milestone or, Hey, you did really good with this scene. We got you a vest or like, and like a master's hat, which is the leather hat with the, the hard brim. No one, you were not allowed to buy your own. Like it had to be gifted to you from another master. That is the coolest thing I have ever fucking heard. Huh? (laughs) That is so cool. (laughs) If, if you want, we can actually go through. I've got a list of some of the dress codes of, like, the old guard. Uh, so one was always wear boots, butch ones, and preferably black. Uh, wide black leather belt, plain, not fancy. Never mix brown leather with black leather. Never mix chrome with gold or brass trim. Long pants only, Levi's or leather, and no shorts. Uh, chaps indicate more commitment than Levi's and leather pants, more commitment than chaps, especially when worn consistently. And a lot of that was because anybody who's worn leather pants will tell you they're a bitch to take care of and keep clean and condition and all that. So not only were you getting, uh, you know, you were getting gifted a lot of these items, but you had to take care of them. And if you were wearing them all the time to these events, it showed that you were dedicated right wow <laughs> yeah yeah that, no that's really neat but i mean there was also i've been to a couple of high protocol um shindigs and it's one where like say y'all were there and i was there i would come talk to johnny like if i had something to say to you Brittany, i'd come talk to johnny mm-hmm. and be like may i address your your sub i it would never be a I come up and say, oh, that's a really pretty necklace. That would never happen in a high pro- protocol event. Wow. Yeah. There's something to be said for that. There really is. Like, that's like a lot of respect right there. Yeah. For that. That's really cool. There's that. And it weeded out a lot of, I don't know if you've heard the term sub frenzy. No, not yet. <laughs> and I, I, I call it the, are you my daddy? Um, mode you get a lot of (laughs) you get a lot of newer subs that they're new to the scene and they go into this you know they have one play session and they're like anyone they meet oh do you want to be my daddy do you want to be my daddy it's it's just it's it's funny but at the same time it's it's dangerous it's very dangerous and um there's uh i think i think it's a facebook group that we met in dustin there's a lot of newer people 
that um, they come into it and they're young and they're just like, I'm a sub, I need a daddy. I'm a sub, I need a dog. And they have, they, they're, they don't know what they're doing. It's agreed. They done their proper research. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, there's, the fact of the matter is there's predators in every culture and, you know, mm-hmm. subculture. And so you have to really be careful of that. Mm-hmm. Well, and especially now in the age, in the digital age, where people are putting themselves out there like that, it's a lot easier for a predator to spot a soft target when they are putting themselves out like that. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's the predator's whole game is to find that soft target. Exactly. You know, unless they're a true sociopath and they like the challenge, but that's a whole other can of worms. Right. Um, yeah. I have here so that's um that's really neat like if I if we go back a little bit to like kind of the the origins of this like back in the in the 40s and stuff these soldiers were coming back from the war they um you know they 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 were having those like crazy experiences in the war probably some of them near near death to the point of like yeah life's too short I'm I'm not gonna be you know, I'm not going to hide who I am anymore. Exactly. They still were facing that. Yeah, they're still facing that that persecution. So when they started forming these communities, that's probably where that um, exclusiveness started really formed. Is you know, they they knew that they kind of had a they were would have a target on their backs if they were to be out and about with that. Right. Absolutely. And that's really neat. And that's part of. I mean, you've also got to remember, like, the Stonewall riots that they were at. Um, the reason that happened is these cops would come in and raid. They'd find out that some, somewhere was a gay bar, and they'd come in there and beat the hell out of everybody, and nothing happened to them because back then gay people were thought of as subhuman, basically. And it was really mm-hmm. terrible, but, I mean, I have my own thoughts about the Stonewall because it was a mafia-run bar, and they just saw they saw the gays as a way to make money. They were like, oh, hey, they can't go anywhere else. We'll have them here and make all the money off of them. Give them the place. And yeah, no, that's interesting. Uh, do you tell them? I'm interested to learn a bit more about that because I've heard, you know, I've heard a bit about the Stonewall riots and I thought it was essentially just um, the gay and, you know, queer community kind of rising up against this police brutality and whatnot. But uh, you think it might go a little deeper with, than that with the mafia? Well, the mafia owned the bar. So they they saw the gay community as an opportunity to make money. So they let them come in there and have their space to to be themselves. But I'm not going to say that they weren't also taking advantage of a situation because they knew they had nowhere else to go. Um, as far as the, As far as the police, you know, they they did come in. And they tried to arrest some people, beat the hell out of some people. And um, people had finally had enough. And it really, they almost, so they started a fight. I want to say that it was a drag queen and a butch leather lesbian that threw Molotov cocktails or something at the police. The police actually barred themselves inside the stone wall. And they were going to burn the stone wall to the ground when they finally reached an agreement, like a truce, Hey, we're going to come out, you know, we'll let your people go. You let us go. That kind of thing. 
which was a yeah, year. that's cool. I just like I like the visual imagery of that of that whole scenario because you got the cops forming their line with their riot shields and stuff, and then you have the queer community. I mean, there's you know they talk about it that they formed their line and they were doing kick lines and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> And it, I mean, it would have been a really cool thing to see. And that was definitely a huge stepping stone for the LGBTQ community. And it, and it just goes to show, you know, um, anybody who thinks that that um, they're just these this snowflakes who need their safe space. I mean, the Stonewall riots is a testament to why how that's not true, how they are. They're very capable um, people who can, who, who should stand up for themselves. Oh yeah. And I, I would, uh, I would agree that, I mean, snowflakes are on both sides because there are such a thing as snowflakes, but that doesn't mean just because you're a liberal liberal or just because you're gay, you're a snowflake. People should be allowed to be themselves. Bottom line. Yeah. We actually, yeah. um, we actually on our podcast just had a question we recorded yet, uh, two days ago and it was a guy that, he wrote in and I don't think he meant it in a bad way, but his honest question was, do you think the media is more of a, cause he just seemed to think that you see it everywhere nowadays in movies and TV and commercials that there's more gay people in those. Okay. But what you've got to remember is we've been here forever. We've been in movies forever. We've been in TV forever. They haven't. So I don't think what you're seeing is a media agenda. I think what you're seeing is they're actually getting representation in film and TV and commercials and all of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And it, yep. it may look a little, it's just not, yeah. it may look a little strange because it's not what they're used to, but that's just the direction mm-hmm. we're heading. Yep. And I mean, it, it's the right direction. It's where we need to be. It's where we should have been forever ago yeah, <laughs> you know it shouldn't even be an issue absolutely and really i mean the united states as a whole has been behind the curve because we're still seeing repercussions of this being a puritanical society from the beginning in our everyday life yeah well let's jump back to the subject that got a little deeper. yeah sorry, sorry. <laughs> I, I tend to ramble a little no, no, bit. No, no, don't be sorry it's 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 important it's important shit to talk about because it's real life shit. Yeah, like a good tangent. <laughs> um, but I have a question. So, kind of like going back to um, like the leather bars and stuff. When when somebody would would come in, is there like a a new person? Is there kind of like a vetting process or initiation, or do they have like ceremonies and stuff like that? Or uh, it kind of depends on mostly. So there was a leather bar in Austin, Texas that I used to frequent called the Chain Drop. And there it was just kind of pay your cover and hang out. Now, there are times where they would have events where you had to have a membership card to go to these events, whether it was needle play, like they do demonstrations. And whether it was needle play, fire cupping, whatever, if you were not a member, then after a certain time, it was like, all right, hey, if you're not a member, you got to go. And then the members would be able to stay and see whatever demonstration was going on that night. And really, the memberships just come down to, I think you have to go to a couple munches and um, maybe you pay like $40 to be a member. 
So it's not, it's not hard. It just takes a little bit of time. Yeah. Um, I, I found that like in Montana, we're so, uh, um, repressed, repressed. <laughs> uh, well, we have such a small population and stuff and finding events to attend and stuff is extremely difficult. Right. I found one in a cabin kind of, um, by a family cabin, but, uh, it's, it's hard to get into. The other thing that was a bit easier to find was like our, our Montana swingers kind of thing, but it was cool to see like their process. Like you had to get on a phone interview with them. You had to do all this kind of shit before you can even get, walk through the door. Right. Which I think most clubs and stuff like that in the bdsm community are like that or i would feel more comfortable going to one like that well i know a lot <laughs> i know a lot of them have started doing where you know you've got to come to you know three or four munches you got to get to know people and if we think you're cool then we're going to invite you to this other thing but i mean mm -hmm. you know just talking to people you usually get a pretty good feel of whether it's somebody you want to let into that community because the one in austin you know, we had some city council members. We had some pretty well-known people that they don't want everybody going and blabbing their business. Right. It's private. Exactly. No doubt. Yeah, that's, that's important. It is. Um, I think, I think that goes for pretty much the entirety of the BDSM community though, because we do, I mean, there is, people who have really, you know, <laughs> high up jobs that don't want everything out there, which I mean, in my personal opinion, I don't give a shit. As long as it's consensual and it's legal, I don't care. You could be a fucking, you could be our governor. I don't give a shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it shouldn't be something to be held over your head. But all that being said, like, I do appreciate my privacy. Absolutely. And, and while hopefully most people would think like that, you always have your your Karens out there that want to ruin people's lives because of something they do in their free time. Yep. Yeah. They don't got nothing better to do. <laughs> yeah. And I think that also kind of speaks to the exclusivity of the leather community, just because they were persecuted for that. They're very careful about who they let in to avoid things like that. Um, so if somebody was like interested in getting started in this uh, community does um, I mean obviously the internet is a good place to start but is it pretty easy to find um, like locations to go to so I would say I mean a big thing now I'm not a huge fan of it anymore FetLife when it first came out was great but like we talked about earlier with the influx of all the the 50 shades people it's kind of become mm -hmm. not a great thing but you can still use it for events and places do post events post munches i mean you can search just leather you know leather groups and normally something in your area will pop up okay, okay. it used to be a lot harder you used to have to go to like they would have post-it notes at the certain adult novelty shops about, Hey, meet here at this time to find out the place and date of a munch or a meeting or anything like that. Yeah. That, that was kind of like pre-internet days. Yeah, exactly. 
but yeah, it's definitely gotten easier. I don't know as far as like other sites. I'm sure there are other kink sites uh, or just Google, mm-hmm. Google leather groups near me. I mean, you'd be amazed the stuff you can find, but. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, as far as I found, FetLife is pretty much the only social media giant for the BDSM community. But I, we actually, actually just jumped off there because it was just chaos. It's definitely gotten bad. I was, I was there the second day they launched and it was great for a while, but it's gone downhill for sure. Yeah. Um, trying to think. I've, I think I've covered pretty much all the high points I wanted to get into as far as leather. Is there any other questions that y'all had about anything to do with leather? Or? Was there like a, we were talking uh, about like furries and stuff. They have conventions and stuff. Does the leather community do anything like that? That's like open to the public and it's just like a big event? Uh, so there is. I don't know, like, I I can only speak for the stuff that I've seen in Texas. Uh, Beyond Vanilla was a big leather event that they have. I think they're still having it every year. And that was probably 95% leather. And that's where they would do their, um, kind of speaking back to charity work, they actually vote and nominate a Mr. and Mrs. Leather for the year. It's kind of like Miss America but it's Mr. and Mrs. Leather and they're committed to going around doing charity work throughout that next year. That is really cool. <laughs> it's, it's really neat to hear about the charity work. And, you know, when you think about it, it, um, it shouldn't really be that surprising because when the AIDS epidemic was first really getting bad and the, it, the government and the public they didn't, they weren't doing anything about it. Hell, most of them were making jokes about it and shit. And it was very serious. So these communities were the ones who had to step up and actually start getting people together and raise awareness about it. So I think it, you know, it makes sense that they, you know, they do that and they're, they're still parts of it, of that, doing that. Oh, absolutely. And I've talked to some old leathermen that, uh, were there for the worst parts of the AIDS ec- epidemic. And they said to see your friends just waste away and not have any kind of resources at the time to do anything about it was unimaginable. And that's why they've worked so hard to have everything they're doing now. Yeah. So um, as far as like leather gear goes, you mentioned the chaps and the hat. Um, it does that. I mean, what else is there beyond uh, some of the, you know, the generic and like kind of more common pieces of of this gear? Is there does that go all the way? To, like, are we talking gimp suit here? Or is that most uh, gimp suit would be latex? So, as far as the leather community, the only thing you're allowed to buy yourself is a belt and boots. Everything else must be gifted, as far as old guard. Um, so vest, jacket, I mean, they make leather shirts, you got the chaps, you've got leather pants, wrist cuffs, gauntlets, um, the master hats. Um, I've even seen leather jock straps. It's kind of like, 
there's actually a yeah like the the band like the bandolier thing yes uh like the harnesses like, yeah straps absolutely yeah. and i mean i've i've worn one before they're super comfortable they don't really they don't really look like they would be but surprisingly comfortable um kind of like ropes. exactly <laughs> yeah and i, I feel like that's the uh, kind of one of those parts of people who are not really into or like nervous about rope play because they don't, they're not, they don't know how they feel about being restricted. So I think a good starting point for that would be just, just do some, some knot bracelets and some, some harnesses like that. Something that doesn't really restrict you. But you so you still kind of get that pressure and that like restricting feeling kind of, but you're not, your limbs aren't, being restricted and i think that definitely plays into some of this leather absolutely and buckles i mean buckles come undone really quick so there's no worry of having to cut ropes or anything like that Just double buckles and you're out right that's yeah, yeah. i also like that um you know how it, they were kind of bikers and back in the day and then so you see these like modern bikers like the hell's angels or you know it, if they're they're completely different from what they were right then but uh to see that and s some of these people who have no idea the origins of that it's like rob halford um he would he rob halford was wearing his leather and his shit on stage because he was he was into leather absolutely and, and nobody knew at the time and so exactly so you got all these metalheads wearing the leather and shit and uh, they had no idea what you know they're being a part of and it's a whole nother it's a whole nother thing now but i like that uh the god of metal was exactly kind of it's, in it's, <laughs> it's very right. cool when you can kind of trace the timeline back and be like huh all these people that may have been derogatory towards that group maybe not so much metalheads but bikers and and it's like oh well that's where you came from so <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like those racists finding out they have African exactly. heritage. Yeah. <laughs> it's like those things that just put a shit-eating grin on your face. <laughs> Gotta love the irony. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, with a spoon. <laughs> but I will say, as far as the um, do you have I'm any... sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I just want to say, like, as far as everything I've said about the leather community to anybody that's listening, just know this is from. My experience, the stuff I've talked about, everybody's experience may differ. I've always found the community to be super welcoming, but that's just what I've experienced. You know, it may not be across the board for everyone. Right. I mean, we 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 say all the time we are not experts on this podcast. If we ever actually get an expert interview, it'll be a damn miracle. <laughs> Yeah, y'all yeah, get there eventually. No doubt. We will definitely show our inexperience, but yeah, yeah, um, very much so. <laughs> no, I, I think that's a that's a very important point to make. It's it's so different. You know, everybody's experiences is completely different to their own perception. Right. Whatnot, so, I think I think it's important. Um, the reason we one of the reasons we started this podcast was to start breaking down those barriers and the best way to do that is with personal experience mm -hmm. 
So, I mean, John and I could do research on the leather community and read off our notes, but it's yeah. not going to be as good as this interview we just had. Exactly. <laughs> our experience would go about as far as that caller, I have you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but I mean, it's just something. So, Dustin, you want to. Uh, sorry, just something ahead. for your listeners to remember, you know, the next time you walk in a store and you pick up that piece of leather, take a little sniff and think some good thoughts, you know? Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, before we head out here, Dustin, you want to plug your podcast? Absolutely. So me and a buddy of mine, we do a podcast called Barbarically Candid. And as of right now, we've had one interview with a guy starting up a cheesecake company, but we do a lot of current events and we kind of do a, we answer listener questions, kind of like a Dear Abby, but two middle-aged guys answering. Um, so yeah, if, you know, if, if y'all are looking for something to listen to and you want to check it out, we try to hit current events from both sides of the spectrum, not just the right or the left. So but they can find us in pretty much anywhere you find yeah. podcasts at this point. Yep. Well, great. Well, Dustin, uh, you know, thank you. Thank you sincerely so much. from both of us. And um, really appreciate you taking the time to. Absolutely, guys. Out. Thanks for having me on. And hey, maybe we can do this again sometime. I would have. That'd be great. Yeah, All right. that'd be great. Do the crossover <laughs> sounds, episode. Yeah. Sounds great, guys. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Wow. That was bad. <laughs> no, no, not the interview. My phone just like totally <laughs> fucked up. Because <laughs> that's what I said wow for. I was trying to sound like the interview just got out of the interview. We recorded the interview like two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I did not mean it like that was bad in the interview. My phone, you guys, just totally went black oh, for no reason. <laughs> that was great. Please don't edit that out. I'm not gonna. <laughs> Because we're bad at editing. Yeah, we are. Hey, Johnny. Hey, what? Did you know that guys can do kegels? <laughs> yeah. But I, I, my concern is that if you do it while you're peeing, there could be some other issues. It no. It cause complications. No, it can't. So when you're peeing, if you stop peeing, that's a keg. That's how you use your kegel muscle. Or your, that's how you do a kegel exercise. Can't you just flex it? Yeah, you can. After you learn what muscle to flex, you can do it all fucking day. Well, I know how to do that. Okay, well then just do it. Okay. Dude, chicks stop their pee all the time. And they don't get hurt. I do it. Nothing bad's happened to me. Okay. But the reason I want to bring it up is because I heard on another podcast that it can help you last longer in the bedroom. Okay. Throwing shade? No! Jeez! <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> I mean, I just thought it was interesting because we all knew no women can do it. I didn't know that guys could do kegel exercises, too. And, like, it's like, has benefits. Because, like, women, they do it because, like, when they're pregnant and stuff, um, a lot of, like, leaking. Mm-hmm. And when they're done having their baby, some still have problems. And it just makes your vagina wall stronger. So, you, so you can, can have that. Super Kung grip. F- yeah, Kung Fu grip. <laughs> dick grip. <laughs> yeah. Better than dick drip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's <was> gross. <laughs>
Um, so that's that's all I got. Yeah, do your kegels, folks. Yeah, keep your body healthy. And if you stop your pee and start it again, it's not going to hurt you. Just make sure that you finish peeing. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. So um, you can be awesome like our friend Steven and donate to our Anchor page and give us money. That would be cool. Because then maybe we can get another mic and we can like sound professional. Yeah, and stop using these phone the, the phone. Yeah. And then uh, find us on Spotify or anywhere you listen to your podcast. Uh, give us an email at ibst at gmail dot or ibstpodcast at gmail dot com. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Mastodon, Snapchat. I got all that shit. Yeah, be good to each other. Yeah, and um, send us emails that you know entertain us. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think we've gotten one email yet. <laughs> Send us, you know, a fact that you think is cool. And we probably haven't seen it because, again, we're not experts. Mm-mm. We, I we just like talking about it. Yeah. So. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Love you all. And thanks for the support. Bye. <laughs>